How to Strain a Friendship of the Man from Uncle Vic Written by El Spirito Read by Dr. Fumbles McStupid Summary In a mission gone wrong, Napoleon is taken hostage, and Ilya is left with a terrible choice. Featuring Napoleon Wump and much brooding from our favorite Russian giant. Napoleon has a gun jammed under his chin and blood trickling into his hairline, and an angry Spaniard screaming in broken English in his ear. Ilya is a few meters away, gun trained squarely on Solo and his captor, and looking more shaken than Napoleon has ever seen him. I shoot him, you understand? the man yells, his breath warm on Napoleon's face. Normally, Solo would catch Ilya's eye, then drop his weight, but the man, Rinaldo Abano, grade-A bullshitter and professional warmongerer, is just shorter than Napoleon and much heavier, so that Solo thinks if he fell, Abano would just swear and continue holding him up. It's also entirely possible the head wound has made his thinking fuzzier than he realizes. Put your gun down! Abano's shouting is making the pounding in his head worse, so Solo grits his teeth and hisses in Russian at Ilya. Just shoot him through me! Ilya looks surprised, which means he cocks his head to the side in a barely perceptible move and blinks a few times before answering, No. Napoleon can't really make eye contact, but he does the best he can, staring down over his nose at the tall Soviet. I trust you, he says. His Russian is more thickly accented than usual, but he supposes he can be excused just this once. No talking, Abano shouts, shoving the gun a bit harder and bruising Solo's jaw even further. Napoleon swallows thickly and does his best to reiterate his previous statement to Ilya, using only his eyes. Ilya responds in kind, widening his eyes and shaking his head slightly. Abano yanks on the arm wrapped around Solo's neck and causes the other man to choke, straining for air. Ilya! He gasps, and he can hear a string of Russian cursing before his world explodes in a burst of heat and then searing pain as the gunshot echoes through the air. The American drops like a stone. So does Abano, but Ilya doesn't care about that, not when his partner is lying on the ground, eyes wide and glazed over in pain, with a pool of blood spreading beneath him. Ilya lowers his gun and runs to where the two men are in a heap. His first instinct is to check on Napoleon, but he forces himself to make sure that Abano is dead first, telling him to the side, before kneeling and pressing two fingers into his neck. Satisfied that the Spaniard is dead, Ilya moves quickly to Napoleon, apologizing profusely under his breath. Solo is clutching feebly at the wound, blood seeping up and trickling between his fingers as he squirms weakly, heels dropping into the dirt. Let me see, Ilya barks, concern making him brusker than he intends. Instinct seems to have taken over, however, and Napoleon shakes his head once, then continues to hold the wound. Ilya claps a hand over Napoleon's bloody ones and forces his voice to come out gentler. Cowboy, he says. You must let me see. Napoleon's rolling eyes finally meet his, and the American's grasp lessens. P Peril, he says. Ilya grunts an acknowledgement before yanking Napoleon's shirt open, sending a few buttons flying and fabric tearing. That was expensive. Solo gasps. Waverly will buy you a new one, Ilya says, growling with frustration at the undershirt that doesn't want to rip, but that is already saturated with blood. 
He pulls his pocket knife and cuts the shirt quickly, sucking a harsh breath in through clenched teeth when he sees the wound. I must turn you, he says, making sure Napoleon is looking at him. It will hurt. Solo nods and Ilya rolls him onto his side, trying vainly to ignore the stifled scream of pain the other man makes. He'd aimed for Napoleon's shoulder, but had still had to be aware of what would kill Abano. It appears now he may have slightly miscalculated, as the bullet traveled at a downward angle and probably nicked the top of Solo's lung on its way out. The way the American is breathing now, it hasn't collapsed yet, but it's only a matter of time. Back over now, Ilya says after pressing a wad of Napoleon's undershirt to the wound. Solo nods shortly, but doesn't scream this time when he has moved, just gritting his teeth and squeezing his eyes shut instead. His breathing is shallow and stunted, but he's still conscious. It's enough for now. It has to be. Waverly? Solo manages. The syllables all slide together and seem to stumble over Napoleon's tongue, getting stuck halfway out. Ilya has to hide a wince at the unfamiliar difficulty. I already called him, Ilya says. I already called him, Ilya says, while you were getting your head bashed. Help will be here soon. Napoleon manages a weak sort of half-smile and closes his eyes. Hey, cowboy, stay here, Ilya says. You can sleep later. When Solo's eyes remain closed, Ilya reaches down and pinches his earlobe, grinning when his partner wakes with a frown. He looks so pale, and a fine sheen of sweat has broken out over his white face. His hands are trembling. Tell... tell Gabby, Napoleon starts. But Ilya shakes his head and reaches down with his free hand to hold one of Napoleon's. No, he says. Stay here. Solo has tears in his eyes, whether from pain or emotion, Ilya does not know, but he refuses to give the American what he wants. He has heard too many men who stopped fighting once they'd said everything they needed to, and he will not let that happen to Napoleon. He looks at his father's watch and then down the hill where the road is visible. We must get to the road. He says, I will carry you. You will stay awake. Bossy, Solo whispers. I get the job done, Ilya says, sweeping Napoleon into his arms. He wants to lift his partner over his shoulder, but is worried about aggravating his injuries further, so clutches him to his chest instead, tucks the wobbly head beneath his chin, and arranges flailing limbs so that they are contained. Gabby would... Solo has to pause for breath before continuing. Would laugh. Hmm, Ilya says. Probably. She wouldn't. If she saw them, she would be white-faced with concern and already tearing up her dress to use as bandages. Ilya does not press the point. He can see a black car coming towards them and walks as quickly as he can to the lone tree, providing some kind of cover near the road. He deposits Napoleon as gently as he can, leans him against the rough bark, and lifts Solo's hand to cover the wound. Hold this, he says. You understand? Solo nods, his hair flopping into his eyes. Ilya smooths it back from his forehead, before nodding and getting to his feet, gun raised and aimed directly at the oncoming car. To his relief, someone emerges quickly from the car, hands outstretched. It is with some surprise that he realizes it is Waverly himself. Waverly? he says. I was in the neighborhood, Waverly says. Where is he? Ilya has already holstered his weapon and moved towards the tree that is holding Napoleon up. 
His heart sinks when he sees his partner slump to the side, seemingly unconscious. But his partner cracks his eyes open and peers at him with heavy eyelids as he draws near. Still here, he whispers. His lips are completely bloodless now and beginning to take on the slightest blue. His breath is raspy and tight. What have you gotten yourself into now? Waverly says, kneeling next to Solo. It isn't a question, and Ilya is glad he doesn't have to answer. At least, not for now. Let's get him to the car. I have a contact at a military hospital not far from here. We must hurry, Ilya says. Waverly meets his gaze over the bloody form between them and nods solemnly. I shall drive like a bat out of hell, Waverly says. Ilya doesn't know what that means, but it sounds suitably fast. So he nods, and they lift Napoleon together. Solo finally cries out and falls unconscious, his head falling backwards so that it hangs obscenely as they half walk, half run to the car. Ilya slides into the back seat first, wedges himself into the corner and folds his legs up, then tugs Solo in after him, resting the other man's head on his left arm and pressing on the gaping wound with his right. Waverly drives faster than Ilya would have expected, had Ilya been paying attention. As it is, he strokes Napoleon's hair from his face and blots the sweat from his skin, and hums Russian lullabies under his breath. Napoleon comes to and can't think past the pain, raw and white, that immediately overtakes him. He gasps and flails a hand for some kind of purchase, barely registering it when a hand smaller than his grasps his arm, and a voice that should be familiar calls out. A few moments later, the world comes back, and he can see that Gabby is sitting by the bed, hair done up in a braid, circles under her eyes. He wants to say something, and even opens his mouth to do so, but is surprised when nothing comes out but a croak that immediately sets him coughing. Shh, Gabby whispers, bringing a straw up to his lips. He drinks thirstily, then turns his head away. There are tubes running into his nose, and into his wrists, and out of his chest and out of his... Oh no, you've been out of it for a few days, Gabby says. Three, in fact. Scared the hell out of me and Ilya. Sorry. Solo rasps. Your lung collapsed, Gabby says. It's why you've got the tube in your chest. I had wondered, Solo says. Can't say it's too comfortable. More comfortable than suffocating, I guess, she says. Which you nearly did, by the way. Yeah, Napoleon says, remembering gasping for breath and finding none. Yeah, that was horrible. Quite, Gabby says. You should rest. I'll make sure someone is here when you wake up. Don't want to rest, Napoleon says, even as he can feel his eyelids drooping closed. You need it. Sleep. I will watch you. As awareness fades, Napoleon realizes he doesn't know where Ilya is. He's gutted, you know. It's the first thing Waverly says to him when he's awake enough to actually hold a conversation longer than 30 seconds. Is he okay? I've just said he's gutted. Waverly says, rolling his eyes. He's... he's all right. Just feeling rather guilty, I think. Solo pushes himself a little higher up in the bed, winces, has to wait a full minute before the world stops spinning. That's bullshit, he says finally. Tell him to get his giant ass in here. Waverly shakes his head and grins, a glint in his eyes. He reaches down and pats Napoleon's leg, one of the few places that doesn't have stitches or tubes, and nods. I knew you two were good for each other, he says. I'll see that he comes in. Ilya walks into the room and hovers near the door, 
glancing up at his partner for a second before looking down to the floor. After a second, he forces himself to look again. He deserves this. He cannot look away from this. Napoleon appears to be asleep, and he has more color in his cheeks, though it's still far from healthy. There's a bandage across his forehead that covers the stitches there, and Ilya knows there is another beneath the hospital gown Solo is wearing. The American's hair is soft and curly after being washed by a nurse, and without the pomade he usually uses to tame it. Ilya knows there is a tube protruding from his chest too, and is relieved that he cannot see it from where he is standing. He did this. Peril, a raspy voice says. Get in here. Ilya shuffles forward, hat in hand, feeling like he's about to be scolded. But he deserves this. He did this. Kiryakin, this isn't your fault. I told you to shoot. I said I trusted you, and I do. I'm fine. See? You are not fine, Ilya says. He doesn't look up. Ilya, Sola says. You are not fine, Ilya repeats. I had your blood on my skin, under my fingernails. Did you know this? And then you are in surgery for many hours, and I want to know if you are alive. That is not fine, cowboy. He is trembling with pent-up emotions, with the memory of the blood he had to scrub from his hands, and his English is going to shit, but he does not care. What did you hum? Ilya is startled. What? In the car. You were humming. Ilya shrugs. Russian lullaby. My, my mother sang it to me when I was a small boy. Hmm, Solo says. It was, it was good. Gave me something to hang on to. Oh, thank you for saving my life. I know, I know, you shot me. But if Abato had shot me, I would be dead right now. And if you hadn't carried me down that hill and hauled me to the hospital, I would be dead right now. So really, it's all down to you, isn't it? Perhaps, Ilya says. He still is not convinced, but he is beginning to think he might be one day. Later, when the wound isn't so raw, Napoleon will blame the whole situation entirely on exhaustion, and Ilya will scoff and say that Solo's hand-to-hand -hand was what did it. Gabby will watch them and roll her eyes, and tisk under her breath, and pretend like she's tired to death of her partner's bickering. But inwardly, she will be so happy that she thinks her heart might leap from her chest, because her family is back together. The end.